Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better on this week's episode. In the red corner, I see dead people. Yes, the world is introduced to the sweetest kid on the planet, TM, as an 11-year-old Haley Joel Osment gets help from child psychologist Bruce Willis to deal with his probably sounds worse than it is affliction of seeing ghosts of people who've died violent deaths. From 1999, it's M. Night Shyamalan's The Sixth Sense. Did you ever talk to your mom about how things are? I don't tell her things. Why not? Because she doesn't look at me like everybody else, and I don't want her to. I don't want her to know. Know what? I see dead people walking around like regular people. I don't see anything. Are you sure they're there? Sometimes you feel it inside, like you're falling down real fast. You ever feel the prickly things on the back of your neck? Yes. That's them. They get mad. It gets cold. How often do you see them? All the time. They're everywhere. While in the blue corner, Nicole Kidman lives in a massive mansion with servants and a gardener. But before you think, oh, it's all right for some, it turns out the mansion seems to be haunted by piano-playing ghosts, and the servants are a pretty suspicious bunch who aren't helping the already hysterical Nicole. From 2001, it's The Others. Sometimes the world of the dead gets mixed up with the world of the living. As you can see, the housework has been rather neglected since the servants disappeared almost a week ago. Do you mean they just vanished? Into thin air. How do you do, children? I'm your new nanny. Are you going to leave us too? Why should I leave you? The others said they wouldn't, but they did, and then it happened. Why have you opened the curtains? It was Victor. 
You told your brother that there was someone else in the room. There was. That'll do, Anne. I've seen them too. Have? Sooner or later, she'll see them. Then everything will be different. So, what connects these two films and which one does it better? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken! Hello, Clash Potters. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. How are you both this glorious day? Victoria, you well? Bored, bored, I'm bored. No, I'm not, I'm not really. <laughs> I'm absolutely fine. You sound fine, Chris. <laughs> I'm just excited to be talking to people. That is a <laughs> yeah, bonus. This enough. is like my highlight of the week because it's the only time I talk to people outside of my family. <laughs> Can I ask, do you get dressed up for the show? I get dressed up for the podcast like it's actual work. I mean, it is work, but like I was leaving the house to do it. Yeah, I do. I, I even put on aftershave for this. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't shave because I'm still growing the beard, but I put on the aftershave just because it makes me feel nicer. Oh, God. What's it like now? The beard. Um, I don't even know if I posted a picture yesterday on Twitter. I'm, I'm looking like the dad in Teen Wolf when he opens the bathroom door. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Vicky, uh, do you put a, uh, a dab of perfume on for the record? Uh, I haven't worn anything apart from slippers and pyjamas for however many weeks we've been doing this. <laughs> like, if it hasn't got elastic in it, I'm not interested. Well, even when you go out for your, like, daily walk... Yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> you, you're, like, you're like a paparazzi photo of Helena Bonham Carter. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be such a dream. What a goal to aim for. Yeah. Absolutely. I'll take that. <laughs> um, right then. Uh, you chose this week's movies, uh, Victoria. Today we are doing The Sixth Sense. Uh, we're back on Thursday to cover the others. Um, so you gave us a clue, Victoria. Chris posted it on Twitter. The clue was living on borrowed time, which I can reveal no one got from that clue. No one got the movies. Um, it was simply yes, too clever. Did. Yes, they did. Eventually, eventually, after the second clue, oh, they got okay. it. The initial okay. clue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, there's the structure to this, Chris. I've, I'm not just winging it today. I did a bit of work. So um, the first clue, living on borrowed time. Care to explain it, Victoria? No. <laughs> Great. <laughs> uh, I think it's self-evident what it means. Once you know what the films are, it's fine. Or, well, not to me or our uh, dear Clash Podders. Uh, everyone thought it was going to be to do with time. So uh, Frank Banwo said Logan's Run versus In Time. Um, Mark Mead said The Butterfly Effect versus Donnie Darko. Uh, Vincent Munchen Stockmeyer went for About Time and The Time Traveler's Wife, which is a good pairing. Uh, it's yeah. not right. James Harrison, <clears throat> excuse me, James Harrison went for A Curious Case of Benjamin Button versus Jack. Uh, we've got Jasper with Looper and In Time. And at this point, Chris took it upon himself to post a second clue, uh, which was a 1999 film going up against a 2001 film, at which point Dial Glenn for Murder, <laughs> still love that name, uh, goes with The Sixth Sense and the Others. Uh, oh, that's right. Yay. Yeah. 
Uh, you wanted to give a bit of a shout out to Mike as well, didn't you, Chris? Yeah, Mike guessed last week's film, but he did it after we'd uh, recorded, but before they went live. So he got the answer right. We just weren't able to credit him last week. So well played, Mike. Big respect, Mike. OK, so um, let's have a guess then, shall we, at the connections um, between these two films. Uh, Chris, would you like to go first? It's not really a guess, is it, anymore? I think I'm going to suggest some other connections between the films beyond the obvious one that Vicky will be revealing. But um, they both feature <laughs> effed up puppet shows, do they not? Uh, yes. Oh, yes, shit, yeah. Yeah, Which is a, Miller, weird, Mo- a, a Mos- weird coincidence. Yeah, Misha Burton. She does one, doesn't she? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel that they both kind of feature, although we can discuss this, a form of Munchausen by proxy as well. Yes. In terms of okay. parents making their children sick or pretending their children are sick when they aren't. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. good. Um, uh, I've got some simpler ones. Um, is it films that don't stand up at all well to a second viewing? Uh, are you kidding me? I've had a brilliant <laughs> week. A br- I knew you'd be like this. <laughs> no, no. To be honest, I, I wrote that before I'd watched them. And oh, I, right, I it's take that it back. funny. It's that funny. You've got to better get this one down. Can't let this one escape. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, all right, all right, all right. I've got a proper one. i got a proper one. Is the connection films in which little boys have the mannerisms of very old men (laughs) honestly you give either of the little boys in these films slippers and a pipe and you'd be like they're 80 years old they look well (laughs) you've picked you've picked two films two horror films where we're on the side of the ghosts which is quite Um, unusual Dig dig deep, Victoria. (laughs) And uh, I also noticed there's stories where if people told the truth, we wouldn't have much of a film. That's true. But because because the conceit is that the protagonist must come to realizations themselves, which is yeah, a lot of information is withheld. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's fair. I just thought an overarching one was hiding in plain sight. Okay, oh, nice. I've, got, really nice. I, I've, I've got one more. Is the connection music artist Chubby Checker, whose biggest hit was The Twist? <laughs> yeah, yep. thank you. Vicky, yep. that, don't that was, laugh. That was, don't laugh. It that was the response. Like a dog. I did anticipate that response. I did. I knew that was coming. Um, okay, so Victoria, what is the connection? The connection is you're dead and you don't know you are. You're dead and you don't know you are. (laughs) (laughs) It's good, isn't it? Football chant. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) A bit of sport. (laughs) No point of reference. So uh, we do it chronologically, uh, which means I will be starting on this show with The Sixth Sense, which came out in 1999. I will take us to a brief synopsis of The Sixth Sense now uh, to set the scene. So Bruce Willis is a child psychologist who gets a forthright lesson in karma after a now grown-up kid he misdiagnosed as a child turns up and kills him. Or does he? Hoping to redeem himself, he takes on the case of Haley Joel Osment, a child with similar symptoms who claims he sees dead people. But does he? Meanwhile, Bruce Willis's widow seems to be ignoring him. 
Or is she? Eventually, he helps Haley Joel Osment deal with the ghosts who it turns out just want to be listened to. Personally, I can't imagine anything worse. I'd rather a few scratches every now and again than having to listen to a ghost's problems. Oh, I'm dead. I'm lonely. The other ghosts are mean to me. Yawn. Anyway, by helping Haley, Bruce Willis finds out that he was a ghost all along. Or is he? <laughs> 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 yes, that big question left hanging. <laughs> um, so uh, that's the sixth sense. I forgot a little bit I was going to say just before it, which is if you haven't seen these movies, there are spoilers in them. <laughs> should have done that first. Uh, should have done that first because a spoiler is a spoiler. Uh, you know, I know these films are 20 years old, but if someone today told me that uh, the film The Village was so I'd be annoyed. So uh, there are spoilers in this show. Uh, right. You've, ju- you've just spoiled first... the village. Like, I think if someone's <laughs> tuning in to listen to Sixth Sense, they'll know it's going to be spoiled, but they won't know the village is going to be spoiled, Alex. I was joking. Can I haven't we beat, seen it. Can, is we, it so... <laughs> can we beat that out? <laughs> <laughs> know the accident up there? Yeah. Someone got hurt. They did? A lady. She broke her neck. Oh, my God. But you can see her? Yes. Where is she? Standing next to my window. They want me to do things for them. I think that they know that you're one of these very rare people who can see them. So you need to help them. What if they don't want to help? I don't think that's the way it works. How do you know for sure? Is anyone there? Look out! Please make them leave. I'm working on it. Uh, my first two questions then uh, to both of you um, about when you first saw this film. First of all, did you see it before knowing the twist? And my second follow-up question is, when watching it for the first time, did you guess the twist? Chris? Uh, I have answered to both those questions because it's quite vivid to me, my memories of seeing this film. So um, I remember uh, the last week of uni... Uh, up in York, I went on a bit of a seven-day bender. And in the middle of that, I hadn't seen The Sixth Sense and someone in a pub started talking about having just seen it. And I panicked. And hmm. I, he went round the room, the, the, the group saying, have you seen it? Have you seen it yet? Have you seen it yet? And I panicked and I ran out of the back of the pub and went home. And, uh, <laughs> and I was right to do that because I found out afterwards he did tell people what the ending was. So what? I escaped... I did not know what the ending was. I didn't see it while I was at uni. So I ended up going and seeing it with my mum, weirdly. Just the two of us went to see it in Croydon that summer. And it's a good night- movie. Yeah. Yeah, she loved it. We were talking about it this week, actually, reminiscing about watching it together. Uh, neither of us got the twist. And I really vividly remember us both turning to each other and going, oh, in unison. Like literally saying it out loud because it was one of those, you know, eureka moments. So I did not get it. And I was very angry with myself that I didn't spot it because it was hiding in plain sight. But you also had the best sixth sense experience. Like you watched the film as it was intended to be watched. Victoria. 
Exactly the same, even to the point where I went to see it with my mum. But I didn't run out of a pub first <laughs> before I went to see it. So I didn't know the twist because I think I was still, I think I was still in Blackburn. So it wasn't, um, no, I'm not going to say it's not as well connected as bustling London, but it isn't. <laughs> so it just didn't get around basically. Um, and then I went to see it and I, I didn't spot it. I just, I'm not that sort of. I would never have spotted it. He could have had a sign around his neck that was like, P.S. I'm a ghost. And I still wouldn't have spotted it. Because I just get so, I would just see what I'm being told to see, um, like a sheep. So I didn't spot it. And then me and my mum were like, oh, my God. And I tell you what, the car ride home. Oh, we couldn't stop talking about it. It was brilliant. And that's why I wanted to see it again, to see if it's still got anything to recommend it once you know what's going on. And I think it does. Um, I'm guessing the answer is no, but were you as annoyed as Chris was that he didn't get the twist? <laughs> of course I wasn't. Didn't bother me in the least. <laughs> well, it was such a big deal by that point, wasn't it, about the twist that I think mm. only the people who saw that film maybe in the first week of it coming out got to watch it not knowing that so much was predicated on on, on a twist. And so it's a different yeah. viewing experience, isn't it? When you're you're sitting there knowing something's coming than just being yeah. blindsided by it. Yeah, we were just it, taken it, completely yeah. by surprise and it was amazing. How about you, Alex? Uh, we're all coming at this, yeah, from the same angle because I, I was exactly the same, didn't know the twist, watched it and was utterly mind blown when it happens. I was like, no, oh, what? But I didn't. I, I don't know if I felt a bit like I should have spotted it, but I certainly loved it. It was, um, you know, it was one of those one of those cinematic moments that I think if had been stolen from me by some bloke in a pub, I would have been flipping livid because it's a great. It's like one of those memorable moments that you never forget watching a movie. So, um, oh, good. I'm glad we're all coming at it from the same angle. Um, I got a little bit of backstory, uh, more than I thought, actually, um, about this movie. Shall we go on a journey into how The Sixth Sense came to be? Do it. <laughs> and it's, it's that level of excitement that I do this podcast for. <laughs> uh, right, so um, I knew it was big because obviously it became this cultural phenomenon. Everyone talked about it. The I See Dead People became a touchstone of cinema, so many parodies and so forth. I didn't realise how big a film it was. So this was the second biggest film of 1999. I know Chris knows the number one. Do you want to announce the number one, Chris? Because it makes it the was fact Star Wars. In- it was Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars. Yay! Yay! Good for you, Vicky. Good for you, <laughs> well girl. Done. Thank you, Good. babe. Oh, it's brilliant. I love this. You, why yes. did, you, why uh, did you steal my moment, Vicky? <laughs> you have loads of moments. Let I me live, have one. I live for this shit. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I won't do it again. There's, the quiz is all about uh, frame rates, I imagine, so you'll come you'll come good there. <laughs> uh so, yeah, it was uh, just behind The Phantom Menace. It did $650 million worldwide, which is crazy money in 1999, especially for an original idea. It went on to um, be nominated for six Oscars. Uh, didn't win any, but it's the taking part that counts. Um, best director, supporting actress, supporting actor, screenplay, best picture. Didn't know that. Uh, the highest grossing horror film. Until it's chapter one, if you consider it a proper horror film, which I guess we do. Um, and uh, yeah, the script itself that um, M. Night 
wrote, uh, sold for just under $3 million. Victoria, this mm. is this is mad. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> it's a lot of money. <laughs> what, do you think I paid for it? Is that why you're asking me? I, I didn't buy no. it. I just remember a conversation we had about uh, the old fees that writers got compared to what they get oh, yeah. in uh, the mo- modern day. Um, but uh, he loved his script. So at this point, um, M. Night had directed one movie that he'd also written, uh, the 1998 comedy drama called Wide Awake, starring Rosie O'Donnell. I haven't seen it. Victoria? I'd never even heard of it, to be honest. Chris? Uh, no, and I won't ever see it either. It looks terrible. No. Uh, It didn't make back its $6 million budget, um, but that didn't stop him. Uh, He got an uncredited rewrite on uh, the Freddie Prinze Jr. rom-com, She's All That. Oh, Uh, excellent. (laughs) Right? Love that. Freddie Prinze Jr. You know, there's a... There's a, a slice of nostalgia. When you were watching Freddie Prinze Jr., you knew exactly where you were in life. It was, uh, it was a lovely time. He also wrote another hit, didn't he, in 1999? This wasn't his only 1999 hit. Go on. He wrote uh, Stuart Little. Oh. <laughs> oh, he did, yes. Yeah. Have you ever met him, Chris? A few times, yeah. Yeah. Have you? I have, yeah. Do you know what? I mean, we'll get into it because obviously by the time I met him, you'd see the rise and fall of him as a filmmaker because he'd gone from The Sixth Sense and the road that led him on, led him on down to After Lady in the Water and everybody the fallout from that. And when he was, uh, you know, in inverted commas, blacklisted by Hollywood. And so I met him after all of that and I wasn't sure what to expect. I, I, I you know, you'd heard stories about this sort of like, you know, control freak, like I, if it's not done my way and then casting himself as this writer in The Lady in the Water whose words like create world peace or whatever. Um, and I, I absolutely loved him. He was so nice. And this is for After Earth, a movie that you're like going... <laughs> Oh, you're going to come out swinging for this one, aren't you? But no, he was great fun, really lovely. What was your experience? Yeah, really good. I mean, yeah, I'd heard those stories and I've certainly been uh, sort of in places where maybe people around him have not been behaving particularly well, like part of, you know, his team that that go around with him and um, organise interviews and things like that. I I saw some sort of unpleasant stuff there, but one-on-one I found him really engaging and fun and for on that after earth junket the the camera stopped working when i was interviewing him so we got about 20 minutes just sitting there just chatting rather than interviewing which was he was good there and then i i, I did a q a with him and we had about half an hour in a bar where we were talking beforehand and yeah I, I just think he's really he's really good fun and he's really intelligent he's got a lot to say he told me an interesting story if you want to get sidetracked for a second about i asked mm. him what happened with his indiana jones um script because you remember there was a time where he was going to be writing the fourth indiana jones movie i do yeah he he said that basically he he was he really wanted to do it but then he said certain people and he wouldn't name them but it was obviously spielberg and lucas um kept saying certain things that had to be in it and i said what things and he said i I don't want to say exactly what they are and i'm like well i'm guessing you're (laughs) talking about cgi monkeys and a fridge and and he kind of laughed (laughs) (laughs) and he said i just knew that if my name was on that script everyone would blame me 
for ruining Indiana Jones, even though it wouldn't have been my, this wasn't my stuff that was going to be in the script. But I just had to walk away because I knew I would get all the blame and you don't want to be the guy that messed up Indiana Jones. So I thought that was really telling. Yeah, because he'd be the new kid on the block, wouldn't he? As opposed to um, as opposed to Spielberg and Lucas, who I guess had three Indiana Jones movies before that. They, they could go, well, you know, statistically, yeah. we're still winning. <laughs> Um, well, to read his script that he wrote uh, for The Sixth Sense, um, everyone who wanted to read it was told that uh, the bidding, he said the bidding, if they want to read it, they have to know it's going to start at $1 million. <laughs> and uh, the then president of uh, production at Walt Disney Studios, a guy called David Vogel, read the script. And to avoid the bidding war, he bought the rights for $2.5 million without obtaining corporate approval. <laughs> And when anyone who works in the corporate world knows that's not a good idea. So uh, Disney uh, fired him <laughs> shortly afterwards. <laughs> um, uh, there's a little more to that story, but I can't be bothered to go there. Um, so uh, they then um, gave the production rights away uh, and kept um, uh, the distribution rights. Um, and that's all the rights I'm going to talk about. The more interesting thing is how Bruce Willis came to be in this movie. Uh, this story, I did not know about a movie that never got made called The Broadway Baller. Uh, had you heard this story before, Chris? Uh, only when I was researching this. So take it away. Yeah. A new one on me. He, um, Bruce Willis was going to be in a, a Disney movie uh, that was going to be an ice hockey-style version of Jerry Maguire, uh, in which he played an ice hockey player. It was called The Broadway Baller. Bruce Willis was not enjoying himself on the set, and so even though they spent $15 million of their budget, he fired everyone. <laughs> I'm firing you. He fired the director, the producer, the DOP, and, and it ultimately shut down the movie. They tried to restart it with someone. It didn't work. The movie got shut down and Disney went, sorry, Bruce, uh, we're going to have to sue you because it's a movie that we were making and a lot of money has gone into it and you can be sued by us and we're Disney. So we've got deep pockets even back then. Uh, or you can star in three of our movies. And so uh, smart kid that he is, Bruce Willis picked the second option and made three movies for Disney, The Kid, Armageddon, and The Sixth Sense, out of contractual obligation. Uh, worth noting that Armageddon is the second highest grossing film of his career, and the first is The Sixth Sense. <laughs> so Bruce Willis makes better choices under pressure. <laughs> <laughs> under duress. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, um, but uh, bless him. He only got half his normal salary for the sixth cents. Uh, so he only took home $10 million uh, <laughs> instead of his 20. But you watch this and you do see a movie star on screen. I think he's brilliant. Don't you think he's brilliant in this film? I do. I like the way that and a lot of the characters in the script are dealt with like this, but I'm not complaining. He is just like, there's not much light and shade. He's just like a really good man. <laughs> like um, We open with his wife telling him how fucking brilliant he is and what a great doctor. And then when a lunatic breaks into his bathroom, he doesn't just like blow his head off. He's like, hey, come on, let's talk. And he works with children and all of that. He's just a good guy. 
He really is. He is a, a lovely, lovely man uh, who you really want the best for, which is why this film works. I've got some more stats but and uh, little bits that I found out, but I think I'll drop them in as we're going through. Do you want to start going through the movie at this stage, guys? Yes. Sure. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. We start in one of the most aspirational locations I think uh, has ever been put on film, uh, a wine cellar. Oh, I love a wine cellar. <laughs> oh my God, I agree with you so much. <laughs> I knew you I was, would. I was so jealous. I was just like, just everything about it, it would be nice and cool down there and private and you could get a bit of peace and quiet. But also, there's a lot of wine down there. Why would you ever, <laughs> ever leave? Oh, if I do nothing else with my life, it's going to be to have a wine cellar. Even if, even if I have to take a pickaxe to my living room floor and build a pit, <laughs> put some Thunderbird in it, I will, on some level, have a wine cellar. Just imagine saying to someone, can you run down to the cellar and get a oh! bottle? Oh! <laughs> Dreamy! Yeah. yeah, and then they bring it up and you go... Oh, uh, go for something a little more expensive and they have to reach to the back and blow some dust off one. <laughs> but it's, I guess it's important to establish the wine cellar because that's where he spends a lot of the movie, which is why yeah. we don't question certain things later on. So it's, a, it's sort of a bit of foreshadowing as well, introducing us to this room. True, and it shows that he's um, clearly a very good and successful doctor because he has a flipping wine cellar. So <laughs> there you go. We don't need the plaque. 
that he's uh, polishing upstairs that he's just been given at an awards ceremony because uh, he's got a wine cellar. Uh, but uh, this script, I do have one question because, as Vicky said, his wife is going, uh, oh, you're brilliant and you're brilliant and you're so good with children. <laughs> and this script sold for $2.5 million, which is amazing. <laughs> Because she says the line, you teach children to be strong in situations <laughs> where most adults would piss on themselves. <laughs> it's true. Like, I imagine. What, like, this, what? I know. And there's a lot. I don't. I think this is probably the right decision. But there's a lot of times like for an actual award winning psychologist, you flicking through his notes. He's like, suspect abuse. And it's like, oh, <laughs> abuse. I mean, that covers a, a wide church of, of whatever and surely most of the kids you see are on some the receiving end of some form it's like it's not such a breakthrough to be like maybe this kid has suffered abuse like if it's that easy i can be a child psychologist i think <laughs> yeah i mean if if you were a child psychologist i would piss on myself <laughs> <laughs> my children are absolutely fine <laughs> what a turn of phrase that she uses. I just, I, do you not think someone, why was no, why did no one on set go, not a phrase, just, it's, you know, like, what, what are you trying? I Just tell us what you're trying to say and yeah. we'll, we'll, help. we'll rewrite it. <laughs> yeah. uh, but anyway, uh, things really get going when a terrifying uh, Johnny Wahlberg of New Kids on the Block fame turns up in their ensuite bathroom. Uh, and he is great yeah. in this, really great. For 10 minutes of screen time, I think everyone was bewildered about how he lost three stone for the role and desperately wanted to do it in the nude, and did, they went, no, uh, PG-13, Donny, put some dirty pants on, and he went, <laughs> yeah, okay, but can you make them really dirty? Like, I haven't changed them in weeks. And they went, absolutely. But he went full method on this. He, like, sealed himself away on his own, away from his wife and kids, and ate steamed cabbage for, like, weeks. I think he dropped three stone in five weeks and didn't wash for the entire time. And when he arrived on set, M. Night Shyamalan didn't, uh, didn't recognise him. I didn't recognise him. It was quite a no, funny sort of... It was quite a funny sort of quiz question to ask who that guy is because yeah. I don't think you'd seen him act in anything either previous to that. And so No, no, but I'd seen him in very many New Kid on the Block videos. New Kids on were the you, Block. Were, so were you a blockhead, I, Vicky? I see I I really I liked about four songs, but obviously in order to fit in, uh, I I sort of overegged that a bit. Um but and I ended up watching a lot of videos. But I didn't I saw his name in the credits. I was like, hooray! And then even when he was on screen, I was like, is he is he here yet? Or I no, I didn't recognise him at all. Hanging tough and the yes, right. Yes, my stuff. favorite, my favourite. That's my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> I can sing uh, it now. Hanging <laughs> tough. He popped up in a couple of films. He was in Ransom, um, wasn't he? But like he was just unrecognizable. I was I was a big Nukes on the Block fan and I was I, I thought it was kind of mind blowing that he would pop up in such a, a a small but pivotal role in this film, looking like that. Mm. Yeah, I think he. Re I mean, I think he saw it as an opportunity because um, he read the script, cried on a plane, uh, baby, reading the script, and um, and his agent said, "I I'm, I don't think you should do it. Uh, the pay is not very good." And he said, I don't care. I'll do it for free. So I took the part and subsequently fired my manager for telling me to pass. So, oh, wow. He, yeah. 
He really wanted that role. Really wanted that role. Uh, and then he um, he's not happy with uh, Bruce Willis. And here's the thing. I am... Um, I didn't spot this the first time I watched it, where it turns out that he had the same affliction that Haley Joel Osment has. I didn't yeah. realise that. I didn't realise there was that uh, correlation there the first time I watched it. Did you, you? You knew that, did you? Did you? All right. No, no, I'm not saying. I'm not saying I spotted something, but I wouldn't have noticed that first time round. But second time round, this I think this is the third time I've seen it. I have such admiration for the link between so Donnie Warbo's character is called Vincent and Haley Joel Osment is Cole, and the link between them is just good writing because once you've got in your head you're going to write this twisty thing where Bruce Willis is a ghost and doesn't know it, you you could get away with not uh, drawing the two patients together and to mm. draw them together is a, is a brilliant idea and it's handled really well it's, it's they make the most of it i mean they're, they're almost the same person the way uh vincent and then malcolm describe him single parent family possible mood disorder afraid quiet smart unusually compassionate that could be a description of cole um yeah so again he's just literally presenting you the information there but you don't take it in because there's other you know the tensions there and the gun the gun shows up and it's gone. And so yeah. um you know it, even to the point that uh, Malcolm told Vincent that he was having problems dealing with his divorce with his parents divorce rather than what the real problem was which was the ghosts and this is what oh, Malcolm yeah. started Malcolm starts going down that road again with Cole until he he manages to track back before it goes horribly wrong again. And he gets mm-hmm. he even says I got called a freak which is what Tommy Tomasino calls Cole later in the film, calls him a freak. Yeah, I think when he's at the start, when you see him, uh, I think he com- doesn't he even compare their notes. I think he's got both their files and it says acute anxiety, uh, socially isolated, possible mood disorder. And there's the, the same symptoms are on both Donnie Warburg's file and Haley's file. And the other connection, which which I didn't spot until this watch, is they both have a patch of white hair in their dark hair, which yeah. people sometimes get when they've suffered trauma. And so they both have yes. the same patch, which is just, I just thought it was brilliant. Yeah. And then he bloody shoots him, doesn't he? He shoots him, kills himself, and we are into Ghost Bruce Willis, but we don't know he's a ghost, uh, which was uh, the working title. So... Um, <laughs> We have um, we have Bruce uh, following Haley round, and you're right. There are so many treats in this, so many lines that uh, because this was my second viewing, I, they, it was all like it was a new film. Uh, so I do take back that it doesn't stand up twice in a row, uh, not twice in a row, second time view. Because uh, when Haley Joel Osment goes, "I'm going to see you again, aren't I?" as though he's talking to him as a doctor, and he has to see him again out of obligation, but really he's going to see him again because he's a bloody ghost. <laughs> yeah, he's he's. He's Cole Seer, which is S-E-A-R, but it could be S-E-E-R in that he sees things. Oh, love that. (laughs) I never even noticed. You see, I'm an idiot. I don't... I've written down Cole Seer. Honestly, brilliant. Well done. I've got a list of clues that's really long. I knew you would. That's why... Also, just to explain, that's why I gave you two these films, especially... No offence, Alex. Especially you, Chris, because you're going to bring me lots of facts. And for once, I'm really interested to know as many facts as possible. Carry on. That was one of those perfect situations where people say no offence and immediately say something (laughs) offensive. (laughs) Not to me. (laughs) (laughs) Um... So, yeah, so Haley is with his mum, uh, played by Tony Collette, who got nominated for Best Supporting Actress. That right, is so brilliant. Magnificent. Yeah. She's always, 
always good, Tony Collette. Uh, fantastic. Um, although, I don't know, I wish he'd had a bit of input in her character because um, that bit where he she gets him downstairs for breakfast and she says, hurry up, your Cocoa Puffs uh, getting soggy. Who puts like the milk in the cocoa puffs when the person's not in the room? Like, I think that's I think that's weird. I think she should let him put his own cocoa puff milk in because of, no, of course they're going soggy. Just wait for him; he can pour his own milk. Yeah, and um, and so you see, uh, we sort of get to a lot of Haley Joel Osment uh, dealing uh, with the fact that he's a bit different. Uh, he has a confrontation in his classroom at school with stuttering Stanley, um, his teacher conversation that um, didn't need to have taken place. Hayley Joel Osment says the old place uh, was where they hung people in the school. And the teacher's like, oh, no, 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 it was a courtroom. So probably they hung people here back then, but he doesn't say that. He has a real to-do with him. Um, and, yeah, it's a kind of it's kind of sucky uh, sucky existence for Hayley, and you really want Bruce Willis to help him. Um it would have been a very different film if uh, Michael Serra had got the part because <laughs> he auditioned uh, for the role that Haley Joel Osment got. Um, and it is quite funny the way he tells it. He said that when he went to the audition, uh, he wasn't told uh, what the movie was going to be like uh, or indeed anything about ghosts or seeing dead people. They didn't mention that uh, the kid was having a bit of a breakdown. And after he saw the movie, he said that um, the scene where Bruce is like, I can't be your doctor anymore. And Haley Jaws starts crying and slides the penny over to him. And it's a very oh. emotional scene. Yeah. And Haley Jaws goes, some magic's real. And it's like, Wow, uh, apparently Michael Sarah did that really upbeat <laughs> and optimistically <laughs> going, some magic's real. <laughs> <laughs> but he's so good in this Haley Joel Osment, isn't he? I think like yeah. I think it's one of those performances where you don't just go, Oh, that's good for a child actor. Yeah, They're exactly. not annoying. Yeah, I agree completely. Like when I watched it when I was 18. You're, you're probably in a bit more of a frame of mind to just be a bit accepting. And it was like, oh, he was good. That was amazing. He was really good. But now watching it as an adult, I think adults can be a bit crueler when it comes to judging performances and stuff like that. And it's still flawless. It's amazing. Like every time he cries, I cry. <laughs> um, everything he wants, it and it doesn't... Obviously, it's very schmaltzy as a film and mawkish in places, but his performance is just so standout. Um, I, yeah, I can't fault it. You meet some of these child stars when you're doing interviews and on sets and they're sort of grown-ups before their years. And it's a bit weird and a bit... Cr I don't I don't like it when sort of yeah. a 10-year-old's talking to me like they're an adult. But it totally works here for him to behave like that because seeing these ghosts and these spirits have aged him. He's become an old soul before his years because of what he's experiencing. And so it really works here for him. Yeah, and it's just so sad. And he make, you feel really... You don't ever feel like... Oh, I, I, that you can't empathise with him, and you can see that it's really affected him, and you really want him to get better. It's such, it's really sad. Yeah, it was only his. Um, I think it was only his second feature because he was. Um, he plays Forrest Gump's kid at the end of Forrest Gump, doesn't he? Does he? Oh, I didn't know yeah. that. Hello, Mister Gump. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, where oh, ah. he goes. I, I named him after his father. He has a father called Forrest. That whole scene. That's Haley Joel Osment. Ah. Oh. 
Yeah, yeah. And um, so out of the main bulk of this film is we're getting to know Bruce and Haley and their relationship. Were there any moments that really stuck out for you? I've got a few, but I'd love to know what you enjoyed. Um, well, I like the fact that their relationship seems quite like a 50-50 uh, friendship going on. That almost it's like it becomes like almost like a buddy cop movie, especially when we move <laughs> into them kind of investigating uh ghost stories it's it's i like that it's a it's a it's less it's less a therapist than a and a, and a patient and more like um a, an even-handed duo you know working together I, I i just like the fact that and and the fact that that osmond can go toe-to-toe with willis and and in some scenes really act him off the screen as well <laughs> yeah, when he says to him after after um, Haley Joelsman's had a go at stuttering Stanley and he's got like hauled into the office and Bruce Willis does the coin trick on him and he just says, I didn't know you were funny. And it's like, <laughs> oh, oh, all right. But just done so well. Like, yeah, yeah it matches him completely. Yeah, and the big scene, obviously, the I see dead people scene when they're... In the ho- um, hotel, <laughs> the hospital. <laughs> You've been to some horrible hotels. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they're the same thing these days. Uh, right. Uh, yeah. Um, that's great. That whole, I mean, I know it's been, it's one of those moments that you've seen parodied so much, like from Scary Movie to so many other things. And yet you watch the original and it's still, it hasn't, it hasn't damaged it as much as say, parodies of like Silence of the Lambs have taken away the menace of Hannibal Lecter. It's still a really great moment. Yeah, really good. And and, and it's also a moment where he's um he's telling him the ending as well. That's it's one of those many scenes where they're literally giving you the solution to the twist where he says they walk they walk around like regular people. They only see what they want to see. They don't know they're dead. And then suddenly he gets cold which, you know, characters in this film get cold when there's a ghost in their presence. And Willis is looking at him and says, when? And he's looking right at Willis when he says, all the time. And so, you know, <laughs> the most famous scene from the film and from the trailer is the one where he's telling you, you're a ghost. He's a ghost. This is a ghost. And yet, <laughs> you know, you don't notice it. You don't spot it if you're me and Alex and Vicky because, you know, <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's working on two levels. It's brilliant. Its audiences in general didn't spot it, though, because that was apparently that was the scene. Frank Marshall, yes, our friend Frank Marshall, Uber producer, uh, who we talked about at length when we covered Congo, he said, I think it's too much of a giveaway because when Haley Joel Osment says, I see dead people, the camera sort of slowly zooms in on Bruce Willis's face, and he was like, no, we're going to need to take that out. And then they test screened it, and absolutely no one got it. No. So they kept it in. It works. I, I've thought about it a lot watching it again, and it works because you've got a mental health professional, and there's the close up just says Bruce Willis is like, "Oh fuck!" Like this is much worse than I thought because this boy's seen ghosts. It's not. It didn't. It doesn't give it away. It's just him realizing the gravity of the situation, or you know, the pretend situation. Yeah, he, he's he's schizophrenic. Is, yeah. is what he and believes. he's a child, and that's terrifying. Yeah, mm. yeah, he has, as he says at one point schoolyard schizophrenia. Um, Yeah, it's a bit disrespectful, but fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, You mentioned this, Chris, the buddy cop thing. I think that if they ever made a seventh sense, that's what it should be about. (laughs) Ghost 
ghost Bruce Willis and kid who sees ghosts solving unsolved murders of ghosts with the ghost's help. Uh, that Love was it. that that whole Misha Barton moment where she's like, I mean, you know, it's it's all very grand sort of what's in this wooden box, an unmarked VHS. And you're like, why is it in a <laughs> box? What's going on? Uh, but it's it's great. And that woman definitely looks like the kind of woman who'd kill a child. <laughs> For sure. She's I- wearing red at a funeral. I mean, come on. Well, the red is because like apparently like the only red in the film is when a uh, part of the real world has been has touched the dead. So anytime you I see red, I know that. I know oh, that. All right. I was just because Chris did one earlier. I thought I'd do one in the hope of impressing you as well, but I just got told <laughs> off. He's only trying so to help. It didn't work out. Blooming heck. He's just I'm doing so his job. Sorry. I'm so didn't... sorry. That is not. That is not on you. All right. That's that's me. I'm sorry. I'm, I, I like that use of red, but I do think in that scene at the funeral, it's a bit much when she's wearing the bright red. It's it's just it's it's not necessary um she should have like a red flower or something but to paint her like a harlot at her daughter's funeral is like it's so obviously something bad (laughs) speaking of clothes i do like at the start of the film in that opening uh scene where he's he's cold and his wife gets him malcolm's cold his wife gets him his jumper that he puts on um that enables him to wear he he for the rest of the film he only only wears the clothes he died in so when yeah. he's out, he's wearing the suit that he I, came in. Chris, I yeah. know that. <laughs> obviously, I, obviously, I've done the same research as you. So who are you telling here? <laughs> I, Why I are you I telling it, this? Yeah. This is the first I time it. I spotted that, though. And I think I've seen this five times. <laughs> so, yeah, he wears that jumper, as you know, as you well know, Alex. That's when he's in the basement. So, again, it's just, it's just one of those many things that throws you off the scent, which is, again, good writing. Yeah. Right, yeah. um, I, I think I think we might add another half hour to this podcast if before everything we say we have to add, as you both well know. Uh, <laughs> right. Um, uh, so what else is there? Um, yeah, I think the bit where Hayley Joelsman gets cold is really good. Um, as, as you well know, uh, they actually had to make him really cold on set. <laughs> to- yeah, I do know that as well. <laughs> well, I didn't know that, Alex, so... Okay. You know you're not a listener, Vicky. <laughs> like, <laughs> that is You correct. are involved <laughs> in the making of the show. <laughs> <laughs> we've done 50 episodes yeah. where we've not kept going yeah i know that i know that why, why is it suddenly happening now i think it must be something to do with i think it's just control like i've just been in the house for such a long time the only things i can control are you two <laughs> so i'm just trying to ruin it oh it's weird. Oh, sorry no one ever listens to me i'm sorry i'm sorry i'll shush is it is it not that you think we're like you your, your children and when they say things like this is bread and you're like yes i know that's bread and they're like this is a pen and you're like i know that's a yeah. pen and i'm like this happened you're like yes <laughs> i know that happened i think it right. might be that is a lot of my day oh <sighs> good uh, I'm desperately looking through my notes for something that you might not know, which is impossible, Vicky. Um, did you know? <laughs> did you know? Uh, I did find this quite funny, actually, because uh, we were talking about um, 
if you knew the twist before, I know Chris's friend in the pub nearly gave it away. Uh, Disney, uh, or indeed Spyglass Entertainment, nearly uh, gave it away because on the soundtrack to the film, uh, the final track on the track listing on the back of the CD was... Malcolm is dead. Oh, my God. <laughs> is that true? That is, I, I triple-checked. It's absolutely true. And it, <laughs> it, it didn't come out until three weeks afterwards. So if you, hadn't, if you hadn't seen it in three weeks and picked that up in, like, when there were still record stores, you'd have gone, oh, all right, then. fair enough. <laughs> what did you think of the score? The score's by James Newton Howard, who's worked a lot with Shyamalan, and... It does contribute to there being a, a lot of jump scares in this film. I think I, 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 I counted six jump scares and about half of them were ought to do with the soundtrack suddenly getting loud. Um, I remember thinking at the very start, the first, like, as the title comes up, it sounded a lot like Alien, but I think that was just me. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's a great soundtrack uh, in terms of like, emphasizing the jump scares although it doesn't need the jump scares really i think it's like it's all about the atmosphere i think it's the atmosphere uh, that um, m night creates in the film but they're good i mean the, i, I remember see, being I... terrified when misha barton appears in the tent that was the one that got me the first time i saw it mm. i think that one yeah, but also the one for me was when he he needs a wee and he does some really good needing a wee acting um Hayley Joel he does. and he does a really <laughs> convincing i need a wee walk um, and then that uh, the, the ghost walks by him uh that really made me jump that was the one that got me yeah i'd forgotten about that the one in the kitchen where she's like look what they did to me look at my wrists yeah she's pretty scary i i can't tell if you're joking about the need of we acting because that was the only bit where i was like Haley. You can do better than that. No one actually walks like that apart from in cartoons when they need a wee. <laughs> oh, I think that when I need the wee the most sometimes is at the football where it's getting near half time and I can't hold out and I've had three pints beforehand and you've got to walk down mm. a queue. There's all burly blokes sitting either side of you that you've got to annoy if you leave early. And I think that those are times when I've done the wee walk. <laughs> This is what I was saying to you the other day uh, about cinema and having to sit on the aisle. I have to sit on the aisle in a cinema so I don't have to experience walking past people. But uh, I, you disagreed with me back then. Do you get that at football then? Well, I don't drink three pints before I watch a film, but I sometimes have three pints before I watch a football match. <laughs> right, right, right. Different experiences. Right, understood, understood. Uh, okay, uh, so we're getting near the end uh, now, really, um, which is, uh, you know... Um, the best scene, well, one of the great scenes, which is the big reveal where he's a bloody ghost, didn't he? Who saw that coming? <laughs> one of us. Well, the film has three <laughs> endings, I counted, and that's the, that's the third of the three endings. Which, but I, sometimes I get annoyed when a film does that. But here I think they all really work effectively and it doesn't feel like they're all, they all add something to the story. So before that, you've got Bruce Willis saying farewell to Haley, and that's a quite a moving moment. Mm. And then you've got the scene with the car crash and um, Haley yes. finally connecting with his mother. And then you've got... So each of those endings work independently and I, would, I think would be satisfying on their own. And then, but to have all three in a row with that, the one you're talking about, the final one, Alex, I think is really um, impressive. And the bit where he says goodbye to his 
wife when she's asleep and Haley goes, uh, you should try and talk to her uh, while she's asleep. Uh, new MacGuffin at that point, but fair enough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's when they can hear you. Oh. <laughs> that's a good point. It's a bit cheeky. Oh, did I not mention? Yeah, asleep. That's the best time. <laughs> yeah. Is it? All right. Cheers. I'll, I'll do that then. Thank you. That'll make for an, a nice end scene. I'll give it a shot. Um, and <laughs> he does say, while she's sort of in and out of consciousness, sort of like stirring and asleep, he goes, I needed to tell you something. You were never second best. You were never second ever. And I thought that was incredibly effective because I plan on doing all my admissions of guilt and apologies after I'm dead. <laughs> after you're dead, not when your partner's asleep. <laughs> no, no, I'm going I'm to wait till I'm dead and then go, yeah, sorry about all that shit. Bye-bye. <laughs> Is, uh, Vicky, is this a film about how yeah. men don't pay attention? Because he thinks his wife, he, he goes to the restaurant, he's at home, he's chatting away to his wife. He doesn't notice that she can't hear him, can't see him. Yeah. Um, and it's because he's not really paying I, attention. I think, yeah. He's not paying attention. It's a really good point. Mm. Is it? Isn't it funny how a marriage that is disintegrating mm. is on a parallel with you being dead? <laughs> <laughs> the same things happen. <laughs> it's either that. It's either that, or he really just doesn't want. He doesn't like confrontation. He just doesn't want an argument. And he's like, she seems pissed off. I, I probably won't. <laughs> I probably won't ask any follow up questions. I'll just. I'll let her go. Uh, let her do her own thing. Cause she is mad with me for something I don't. Don't understand i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna say something really embarrassing now but when that ring drops on the floor which is i think the moment the ring drops when the penny drops for a lot of people but it wasn't for me i was i was quite confused and genuinely for a split second i remember thinking to myself is the twist that he's shrinking and the ring's just fallen off his hand that would be so awesome. <laughs> and they just ran off and like went through a little mouse hole. And then just like Stuart, <laughs> that was Stuart Little. It was a shared shovel. Like Stuart Little. Oh my god. I I don't know. I don't know. One of cinema's greatest lines would have been as good if it had been. I see shrinking people. <laughs> so I would say I think I got it about ten seconds after everyone else in the world did as well. <laughs> you really thought. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. He's getting smaller and smaller. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. I just didn't realise she dropped the ring. I, he looked, the ring drops on the floor and then he looks at his hand and I'm like, how's that fallen off his hand? <laughs> I haven't seen him eat for the entire film. Maybe he's getting thinner. And then he ascends, he disappears, he ascends. So it's essentially the ghost ending, isn't it? It gives us the happy ghost ending. Yeah which is important for me to underline for uh, Thursday's show. Just <laughs> saying that. Great. Let's now, um, we've been on a journey. Uh, let's talk about the bits. Let's do the bits. Um, so, lady and gentlemen, what was your best scene in The Sixth Sense? Vicky, I'll start with you. So I won't say that I see dead people scene, although it is obviously right up there. I'm going to say the scene in the car with um, Cole and his mum. And it's 
uh, the reason it's such a good scene, so he tells her about grandma um, and proves to his mum that he can see ghosts and she believes him. And it should be, I mean, it is the cheesiest thing in the whole world. Like, grandma missed your dance recital and she's so proud of you. But the way they both do it, I was crying my eyes out. And Mark was disgusted. He's like, you're pathetic. I was like, fine, fine. I will be pathetic because they're just so good. And like, they're such... There's a flaw in the logic because I think Cole sees ghosts of people that haven't passed because they died violently or they weren't quite sure that they died. And Grandma seems to have had quite a nice death by all accounts. So why is she visiting him? But then once you get that little fly in the ointment dealt with, it's just a really good scene done well with two amazing actors and it pushes the right emotional buttons for me. So I'm really in love with it. That's, um, that's a good answer. Um, not there are there aren't no wrong answers, but that was a good answer, Chris. Chris, what's your best scene? Yeah, that scene that Vicky picked. I feel like you you missed that one. You weren't going to talk about that one, Alex. And that's actually... no, I am because it's I I, the, I saved it for this bit. I saved it for this bit, didn't I? I bloody saved it for this bit. But you go ahead. I haven't missed it out. I haven't skipped over it. There's been preparation. I keep telling you, I've prepped this bloody show. Go on, Chris. Uh, it, that's my favourite scene. It's my favourite scene as well. Isn't that weird? We all pick the same scene. I think that, uh, that Bruce Willis uh, being dead is the trick. That the mum and the son's relationship is the heart and the soul of the film. And so um, everything that Vicky said, I agree with. And it, 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 it's made me cry every time I've seen the film, that scene. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I, honestly, you can watch, you watch that scene and... You could have that scene as the climax to a movie about a child who's been cured by a real-life doctor. There could be no ghosts, and it would still be a phenomenal scene. Like, it's just... it's ah, I don't know. I, I was surprised, because I don't remember <clears throat> being quite emotional, uh, quite so emotional, but I do remember thinking there's a great scene coming up. Um, and yeah, I'm with you. I cried. Cried my little eyes out. It was beautiful. Right then, uh, what is your MVW? Your most valuable whatever, Chris? Uh, uh, Tony Collette's amazing, but I'm going to go with Hayley Joel Osment. Um, and I'm going to use that scene with the where they talk about the bumblebee pendant. Because, um, you know, the mum... Tony Collette wants to know the truth of where the bumblebee pendant is, is gone. And Cole wants to tell her that he's taken it because that would make her feel better. But he can't lie to his mum. And you can see that pain etched on his his face. He's got to tell her the truth, that it's a ghost. But he knows it's going to really upset his mum. But he can't lie. And I think the emotions that that kid goes through in that scene and the way you can see it all in his eyes and in his his face, it's just a brilliant performance. And yeah, so Hayley Joel Osment is my guy. Hmm. Victoria. Uh, almost for the same scene, but with Tony Collette. Like, hmm. and that scene is so good when the the dynamic as a mother and a son. So she gets really cross with him, but obviously she's doing her best and sends him from like. And the way she is as a mum, like they have, they don't seem to have much money. Although that's a bit again a bit of an irksome thing because I don't understand how we're supposed to think she's paying for this treatment, but whatever. And the little table she's got set up, so they will have a formal meal. They will sit down to dinner, even if it's on the centre, like a fold-up table. It's just a nice, like, character note. Um, but then when they're apologising to each other, oh, it's so sad. And he says, Are you, if you're not very mad, and it's just such a child thing to say because she said she's mad. And then she's, no, I'm not very mad. And, of course, we can – oh, it's just really good. Um, 
So I'm going to say Tony Collette, second only to Tony Collette's incredible wig. <laughs> See what me and Vicky have done there? We've cleverly managed to pick two favourite scenes by using this section. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, that wig. Um, M. Night Shyamalan said that they didn't have a wig for her when she got to set and she'd recently shaved her head. Uh, so obviously it is a wig. And I, he says that she brought her own wig. That's her wig. <laughs> they didn't have a wig for her. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's lucky. It's massive. <laughs> lucky Tony Collette had some wigs. I think someone said it was a wig from the set of Velvet Goldmine that she just took with her. I'm like, going to need a wig for the next movie I'm doing, so I'm taking this. Uh, my MVC is um, uh, M. Night uh, Shyamalan. Uh, not as the writer and director, but as the doctor in it. Is- are you being serious? What? Shut up. What are you talking about? I think... It- I think he's. All right, go on. There are no wrong answers. Uh, I think he's. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I think Sorry. he's great. No, no, no. It's not really. Although I, he became notorious for casting himself in his own movies with uh, gradually bigger and bigger parts to <laughs> <laughs> the lady in the water, and you know the wheels came off. But um, in this, he uh, he's not bad. He's not bad. Uh, in that cameo, mm. uh, although he said that he, it's a lot shorter than he intended, but he wasn't happy with his performance, so a lot of it hit the cutting room floor. So why and did he cast himself in other bloody films? Said that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, my MVC is to say uh, my MVW is um, Haley Joel Osment. Uh, I think he's just incredible in this. Uh, but what I change? It's kind of weird because it's the scene that you two described, the dinner scene. I think it's an incredible scene, but it doesn't quite work for me because Tony Collette is a good mother and we haven't really quite understood by this time in the movie exactly how much pressure she's under. That's been that's been left blank. And so her behaviour towards him, knowing he's not very happy slash well at this point, it just seems a bit too strong. When she... She asks him a question. She uh, he was she was like, "Don't lie, and tell me the answer." But she knows that, like, she basically sets him up for a fall in that. She says, uh, "Did you lie?" And he says, "No." And then you punish him anyway. So like, it was a, it was a no win for him, and it's just a bit harsh. And when she sends him away from the table and goes, "You've you've had enough roast beef," I don't know. I thought it was nasty. I thought she was a bit too nasty. To him then, and it, it, without understanding, like I think we get one mention of her working two jobs at that point as an explanation for how she might be at the end of her tether. But I was like, no, too mean. So I'd probably add a little bit more in. I love the scene, but I'd like to understand why she's like telling a child that he can't finish his dinner and sending him away from the table and setting him up for a fall with an unanswerable question. Mm. Chris, what would you change? Um, it's not a big issue. I feel like that we didn't really talk about that either, but the video being um, the clue about the woman poisoning her own daughter feels a bit contrived. Um, mm. It's all a bit convenient. But I'm actually going to... My change would be to uh, <laughs> not this film, but another film this week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because this film came out in 1999 the same year that the phantom menace came out and i always thought 
ever since that summer that Phantom Menace would have been a much more interesting film if Haley Joel Osment had played young Anakin. So rather than oh, have yeah. quite a bratty, blonde, all-American kid, you've got this very intelligent, sweet, nice boy. And I think it would have been much more interesting if 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 that kid had become Darth Vader than this brat. So I would like to have cast Haley Joel Osment in Phantom Menace is the change I would have made. But if it <laughs> meant I didn't get his sixth sense performance, then I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't do the trade. Ooh. I'm thinking about that now. That really works for me. That works for me. Haley Joel Osment turning into Darth Vader is, yeah, that's good. You like, Victoria, I think the idea you... with George Lucas is you, you want to like Anakin at the beginning. And you don't, unfortunately, because of the casting. And so I think if you liked him, it would make it much, much, uh, a much more interesting story. Sorry, enough, enough of a different film. <laughs> Change, Vicky. <coughs> So it's a really little thing. In the film, throughout the film, and the signifier of the colour red, there's a cupboard, an understairs cupboard. Oh, my God, we know about the colour red. We've (laughs) bloody covered this. Yeah, I did actually know that, Vicky. But wait, wait. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. Um, So anyway, he can't get into the cupboard with the red handle, right? Because he's a ghost. And then at the end, when everything's like being revealed to him and he realises he's dead and his wedding ring drops off, not because he's losing weight or anything, but because he's a ghost. (laughs) Uh, Whatever. Um, He runs to the cupboard and I was like, oh, finally, we're going to open the cupboard and see what's inside it. Like some ghosty rule that means once you realise what's going on, you get to go in the cupboard. But it's just that the cupboard is blocked by a very ill-placed reading table um and he and so whatever so he's been missing it but i was like why don't you open the cupboard and then you see something that you finally realize what's going on like your skeleton or something yeah no but the cut it's not it's not a cupboard it's like the door to the wine cellar oh shit is it 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 very much is yay something he is (laughs) something vicky didn't know See, it was worth it, wasn't it? This is how I do it. Keep you down, keep you down. And then when you get something right, then you feel good, don't you? It's not that, it's not that we got something right. You got something wrong. Uh, it's all right. That uh, is one way of Alex, looking let, at it. Let her have that. Let her have her little version of the film where Bruce Willis's wife is keeping his skeleton in the wine cellar. Because that makes sense. It's better, isn't it? Yeah, it's better. Much better. <laughs> wow. We officially have the worst change ever in the history of the bits. <laughs> oh, Jesus, you're all in, Vicky. You are all in. <laughs> why? Why? What? Wait, did you get any further than why his skeleton might be in there? I'd love to know if you thought this through. Is there a reason she's keeping it? <laughs> She she can't part with him because she loves him <laughs> so very much because he was such a fucking A1 dude. So that's why she's got his skeleton and she, she kisses it. And <laughs> well, uh, hopefully you can redeem it yourself with the quiz that you've written for us because uh, we're done oh with the sixth sense. Yeah. I've got a mother flipper of a quiz. Are you ready? This quiz is called You Don't Know What You Don't Vicky, Know. Vicky, just very ready? quickly, Vicky, <laughs> uh, you do have to keep score if you're doing a quiz. Mm-hmm. Oh, for fuck's sake, Chris. Or it, it just negates, um, it negates right, yeah. doing a quiz. And I know you think you're better than the quiz, <sighs> but you aren't, so come on. 
Oh, when, un- when, un- un- when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. I'll, if you can see me, I'm doing quote marks. I'll keep score. Okay, are you ready? There are things in this world that you think you know, but you don't. Things that you think are true, but aren't. And so I'm going to list a few of them. But the twist in this particular tale, yeah, there's a twist in this tale, is I've slipped in some actual truths, which you've got to spot. So it's a very basic true or false quiz. First person to shout out the correct answer gets the quote marks point. Ready? (laughs) Number one, you're never more than six feet from a rat in London. True or false? False. False. Oh, Alex was first. It is I false. Was first. Um, it's more like 150 feet. <laughs> I was Were first. you? No. Oh, sorry. Is <laughs> that not first. your voice? <laughs> I was first. Alex, you know you did it after you heard me say it. <laughs> well, this is impossible. How am I supposed to give keep us, score? Give us both a point. Yeah, just give us both a point All each right. time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I can do yeah. that. All right. Ready. Um, fact number two. This is into three parts. A human being doesn't have five False. or six senses, <laughs> but more like 20 senses. I'm going to list a few, but you need to tell me if these are true or false senses. Are you ready? Yeah. The sense of knowing when you're being lied to. False. True or false? False. False. It is false. Well done. All right, Chris, you can have a point as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Don't make it a time. Um, the sense of. N- <clears throat> Okay, okay. What just We won't okay. all give all the same ones. Yeah, in future, okay, um, in future, if you want to send Chris the quiz before we record, that might be useful. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the sense of um, knowing where your arms and legs are. That's true. False. It's true, Chris. It's called prioception, wow. I think. <laughs> the sense of knowing how to time your round so you don't end up paying for drinks for people you hate. <laughs> true or false? True. <laughs> it's true and false for certain people I know. I'd say we're all good Some people at that. are gifted. We're all good. Some yeah, people we're are. all gifted. <laughs> Officially, it's false. How do you, um, how do, you do that? How do you time your round? So surely if it's a round, you're paying for everyone. Do you... Do you have to? Just, uh, do you really want to know the answer to that? Yeah. The answer to the question is: you go first. Always go first. So you go first when there's people still to arrive, people that you might hate, uh. um, and so you've already got the round in. And then the laws, the British drinking laws, improbably, or even though you got the first round when there's like three of you, you don't have to get another one, even though there's now ten of you. What? That's how it works. Right. Yeah, it works. Right, it okay. does. No, uh, it's logic. I always drink in pubs with two bars, so I could go and drink on my own at the other bar. <laughs> I've seen you do that. Right, at the moment, Alex is winning by one, I yep. think. Okay, here's the next fact. If you swallow chewing gum, it stays in your body forever. True or false? False. False. Chris? False. It is false. <laughs> um, it leaves straight away. Uh, okay, next one. Your nails and hair keep growing after you die. True or false? True. True. Oh no, false. false! Oh shit, I forgot. It's the skin <laughs> shrinking. The skin shrinks yes! as all the liquid leaves, and it's a myth. Damn it! Yeah, yeah. Your skin recedes, which is yeah. really upsetting. Yeah, um, it's like Bruce Willis one. at the end of The Sixth Sense. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I was right. <laughs> I didn't realise. <laughs> uh, this is the last one. So, Chris, if you get this, you'll equalise. Alex, if you get this, you've stormed it, I think. Uh, during lockdown, I've put on two stone. True or false? False. True. Chris? True. 
<laughs> it's false. Yay! My weight has stabilised. <laughs> but that's because I live entirely off the fruit garnish in the bottom of a cocktail. And I didn't think it was true, uh, Vicky, but I had to go for the opposite of what Alex said or else I had no chance of equalising. Uh. That's true. Mathematically. Um, so I think Alex wins by yeah. one. Sorry, Chris. Well done, Alex. Wow. <laughs> a, a, a rare victory in the now legendary Clash Pod quiz. That is it for the sixth sense. We will be back on Thursday to talk our way through The Others, which is the filming competition for the title of winner of Clash of the Titles this week. In the meantime, do get in touch if you'd like to. We are on Twitter at ClashPod, or you can email us, show at ClashPod.com. And as always, that little request of please rate and review us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That would be greatly appreciated. Any other business? Yes, just one little bit. Have you got a clue for next week's uh, pairing? Hmm. No. Do you want to? We'll quickly... be back on Thursday. <laughs> Do you want to quickly come up with one now? Uh, yes. Whoa. Or maybe the just direct kids... people to our Twitter. Oh, I've got one. Okay. I've got one. I've got all one. Right. I've got one. I just. The kids aren't all right. That'll do. Excellent. Bye for now. This was a Stakhanov production. 